0: today on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: We found a number of customers will will start with no code, um, where we will, they'll basically outsource the the, the the program to us, you know, with, with pre-built kind of white label components, almost to prove a model or, or to prove a thesis um, or to, you know, to raise money. Um, so a, a lot of our, you know, initial interactions will be a no code type of an opportunity. Um, and then they will, you know, as they progress, They will will progress to low-code where they'll have more control over the user user experience and then eventually go to like a U-code where they just leverage us by API.
0: Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. 2022 is here and I'm beginning to meet and talk to a growing number of embedded finance platforms that may be new brands but have deeper, longer roots in the space. Turn is one of those companies. Brian Bunkowski is the founder and CEO of TURN. Turn's a low-code, no-code embedded finance platform that provides onboarding, issuing, and payout solutions. TURN was created to acquire another firm, U.S. Unlocked, which issues virtual cards for people living overseas to buy stuff in the U.S. TURN works with firms like PTO Genius to embed payments and money movement either as an API or used as a white-label solution. Brian discusses the growing no-code, low-code trend and where he's seeing growth in that space. We talk about how TURN competes and differentiates itself in a growing field and what Brian and co. have in store for 2022. Brian Bunkowski is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: My name is Brian Bunkowski. I'm the CEO of TURN. TURN is a fintech as a service platform um, offering fintech solutions to other fintechs.
0: Would love to hear about, welcome, Brian. Would love to hear about sort of the Genesis story, how you got here today.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this. I've been excited to to participate. Um, big fan of Um So I guess my, my personal background, um, I graduated college in 99, ended up working in a management consulting role for about eight months as a subcontractor to Accenture and, and hated it. So I uh, moved to San Francisco during the time, to follow the the dot com boom <clears throat> had a, a successful exit pretty quickly there and then had a couple of um not so successful entrepreneur activity activities after that um you know with 2001 etc um so I, I think up, you won
0: that first one huh how did that set you your career like first thing out of college you had to- it was
1: it was an interesting time though cuz i was really young and i was able to you know start my career by hiring a bunch of people and then firing a bunch of people mm. Um, which has taught me a bunch of lessons. Um, A lot of those lessons were, if you you sell a company, make sure you hold on to some of that money, don't throw it all into the next company. Mm. Understood. Um, Yeah. Um, So from there, I uh, decided to move to New York um, and I ended up becoming a co-founder of a company called MIG, which is a uh, enterprise software consulting company, um, essentially reselling Microsoft Dynamics and implementing Microsoft Dynamics software. I grew that company from uh, 2000 to 2010 to about a $10 million um, annual revenue company um, and then set out to potentially sell the company and realize that the valuations for those types of service companies are are less than one time multiples. So um, I decided to shift careers and looked for something else. Um, At the time, a, a very good friend of mine, Zachary Smith. Um, took an institutional round for his cloud hosting business. And he had another um, ISO called Merchant Plus that he was also uh, a founder of. So he essentially hired me to be the managing director of Merchant Plus um, to build out that business while he took care of his other business. And that started my career in payments.
0: And how much of that, um, what happened after that, I guess, is embedded in, in turn today?
1: Yeah, I'd say a lot, right? Um, I think um, starting, you know, running on the on the ISO side, on the acquiring side, I learned a lot about the payment space, and I realized that a lot of the innovation was actually happening on the issuing side of the business. Mm-hmm. So we set out to find an interesting use case to to issue cards. Um, it's a lot more fun, you know, battling over one hundred and fifty basis points than than ten basis points. You know, got it.
0: So 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 let's let's dive into turn. What is it? Um... And who do you do it for?
1: Sure. So I guess a little bit more of the background, I think uh, it would probably be important to, to understand. So we, in, in identifying this use case, we we found, and in, in, in trying to identify a, a use case, we found cross-border e-commerce to be a really interesting um, way to issue cars. These are non-U.S. citizens looking to buy U.S. goods and to issue them virtual prepaid cards. We found that to be a, an interesting niche. So we decided to delve into it and we found a company called us Unlocked, which was doing that and we ended up acquiring us unlocked Um, we actually started turn to acquire us unlocked in 2015 to establish a foundational business logic layer and intellectual property for us to launch what we call our our turn fintech as a service suite if you think about cross-border e-commerce it's a very complicated and regulated um, industry, we're onboarding and offboarding people from around the world, handling uh, funds transfer, cross-border FX, multi-currency, multi-language. Um, so, a very complicated use case. We felt that that was a very interesting and and probably a good strategic springboard for us to to build a platform upon.
0: Great. So, you you started to turn to acquire uh, this business, and then and then what's happened subsequently?
1: we've been able to hire some some fantastic people we have awesome um staff on board i in, in 2017 i was introduced to uh, my co-founder his name is Corey glaze i ended up um, bringing him on as co-founder in 2018 uh, and since then we've been you know pretty successful in, in building out this this uh, this platform to help other companies launch fintech products
0: great so so can we talk about uh it appears that you have like three different products can we talk about what they are?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, we, we've been in the space, again, since 2015 and launching, successfully launching fintech products for and programs for people. Um, and we feel that um, the what, what's missing in the industry is the the flexibility to offer uh, different ways to deploy fintech solutions. So most of the quote unquote banking as a service providers today offer an API we do that too, of course, but we also have what we call low code and and no code offerings as well. Low code are essentially embeddable widgets that that do, you know, core fintech services like onboarding of of customers and businesses, um, issuing of cards and accounts, and payouts. Um, and we offer all those services in you know this low code, no code, u code type of a framework, um, those, the low code widgets can be embedded into an existing app with, you know, very little technical expertise. And then on the far right, you know, you look at our, our, no code options, which are essentially white labelable, you know, full front office, back office solutions to, to satisfy a specific use case for like remittance or cross-border e-commerce or, or payouts or corporate incentive programs.
0: And what's the split between the the API type business and the low code, no code that you guys do in terms of working with your clients?
1: Good question. So I think a lot of what we do uh, to have been doing to date has been no code um, and just launching fintech applications for people as as a SaaS offering. So we host everything. We manage all the contracts. We manage all the relationships of of the back end providers. Um, in like a multi-bank multi-processor multi-kyc provider capacity um, but um yeah i mean that's that's kind of what we do
0: and and i i i guess i could use um, some examples of some customer implementations to get a feel for what you guys do and, and sort of how it's how you're deployed
1: yeah, for sure. Um, so for for low code, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a great example. There's a company called PTO Genius in Miami. Um, PTO, is a, PTO Genius is a is a venture backed company um, helping employers um, facilitate the payout of their employees' PTO, um, and they came to us and said, "Hey, we we need a, a very easy way to pay these people out. Can we potentially issue cards or do ACH or what have you?" Um, so we um, Consulted for them, essentially said but we we think you should probably use this push to car OCT transaction processing to do this, and we you know we uh, basically branded a widget for them to do that, so they can embed this widget into their existing application, which is a beautiful application. The widget looks exactly like you know everything else in their app, <laughs> but they don't have to worry about PCI, they don't have to worry about SOC two, they don't have to worry about the compliance, the regulatory aspects of launching a, a fintech product within their app uh, and if you look at the company they are essentially a fintech company um but they do all the you know the marketing the onboarding the sales the support of of their platform um and we you know they they essentially outsource the the one fintech component to to us and, and we we deploy that as, as a brandable widget
0: interesting and and you know, we've seen in our in our coverage a lot of newer players enter the space, and some of the bigger um, platforms uh, grow in size this past couple of years. H- how do you differentiate Turn uh, against some of the other offerings out there?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the, uh, the the low code and no code offerings is is definitely a differentiator. Um, I, I think the fact that we have been successful in in launching fintech programs, you know, for the last six years. Um, for a multitude of, of types of businesses, from from startups to unicorns to to processors, so we actually do do deploy like fintech solutions, hosted SaaS based fintech solutions for some of the biggest processors here in the U.S. as well. So I think we're, we're kind of like a one-stop shop for, for fintech, which um, I think makes us uh, a little bit different. That and, and frankly, like our, our team is just fantastic. We've been able to attract some incredible talent. Um, we have almost like a family-like culture. Um, which uh, makes it you know a, a pleasure to wake up in the morning and, and work with my team. It's it, which is funny because I, I hired about half of them you know during COVID. So uh, like a lot of people in, in the world right now, I, I haven't met a lot of my team, but I still consider them family.
0: Wow. And and do you think that how or how does the culture I guess permeate into the offering and and the interactions with their clients?
1: Yeah, so I think our our customers, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I, all of our customers are referenceable and I, and I think the the reason they're referenceable is cuz our our team takes very good care of you know our both our our platform, our tech, our documentation, um, as well as our our customers. So uh, we consider ourselves you know almost like a, a part of our customers' team. Um, you know, if fintech is interesting, and um, in our in our our business in particular, it, we're we're driven by the success of our clients, right? So if our if our clients are successful and they have more transaction processing, um, then you know they make more money and we make more money. Everything we do is in is is in in a a revenue share capacity. You know, we make money with interchange, we make money in in crypto onboarding and offboarding, we make money in FX. um, And then we make some money in in SaaS fees as well. Um, But typically, our our customers are um, a part of that that revenue share. So, you know, it it puts us in a really unique position to be kind of on the same side of the the table as them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to have my team um, you know, be on the same table, side of the table as them as well. You know, it gives it, it provides a very interesting, like, working relationship with our customers, more like partners than customers.
0: So that's an interesting perspective. How how hands on are you in terms of program management?
1: Pretty hands on. I mean, we'll we'll typically do you know most tier two support for for customers. Um, so typically, our our customers will. Will handle a lot of the tier one support. That being said, you know we're we're rolling out some um, uh, a handful of programs in, in Q1 of 22 where we're actually going to be you know the first line of support from an IVR and a customer support perspective. Um, you know we're we're outsourcing that. We're not doing that internally, but um, you know we do that as almost like a branded experience, so our customers can have a branded IVR and a branded customer service center supplied by us where they don't actually have to do it themselves.
0: And and where are you seeing demand coming from of those three business lines that you have that you mentioned, um, three products, I should say?
1: Yeah, we're seeing a lot of low-code demand. It's interesting, you know, I, I think the... The idea of, of embedding a widget, it's, it's certainly not new. Using an iframe to embed a component it isn't new, but you know, uh, attaching that to, to fintech services is something that I don't think a lot of people are actually doing. Um, and and even we found that even seasoned engineers will want to to use our low-code widgets instead of a, a U code or, or an API um, because they don't have to worry about the compliance of the re- regulatory landscape. You know, a lot of our customers are are traditionally businesses looking to launch fintech products um, you know they have a, a market or they have a, a customer base and they they want to leverage that market or customer base by um, offering additional you know services or solutions um, so we we enable that and, and we enable that you know through this low code no code u code but we, we're seeing a a trend up in, in the low code options for sure
0: and have you seen? I'm just curious. Have you seen um, an evolution of companies maybe starting with low code, no code, and then evolving to, uh, I guess, a more customized implementation via the API?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So we we actually have. We found a number of customers will will start with no code, um, where we will they'll basically outsource the, the 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 program to us. You know, with with pre built kind of white label components almost to prove a model or, or to prove a thesis, um, or to, you know, to raise money. Um, so a, a lot of our, you know, initial interactions will be a no code type of an opportunity. Um, and then they will, you know, as they progress, they, they will progress to low code where they'll have more control over the user, user experience. And then eventually go to like a U-code. where they just leverage us by API.
0: Mm. And so when you think about Brian about launching these new products in the in in next year, um is it the same thinking around it that you launch a no-code, low-code version as well as an API? Is that sort of the the mandate going forward?
1: Yeah. So we're we're actually going to market um in Q2 with a an automated onboarding um of our fintech services. Um and that's that will be low code and and U-code. So our our widgets and our API will be available to, essentially anybody with an EIN can, we'll KYB them, we'll onboard them into the platform and give them access to live FinTech services. Mm -hmm. Um, So, which I think is—I don't know of anybody else who's actually doing that, enabling people to like, you know, tinker with like live financial applications. And I say tinker, but you know, the there's there's a lot of deeply rooted business logic around compliance and regulatory mandates and onboarding and KYC, et cetera, going into that, going into that widget framework um, that we're we're able to like launch, you know, very very quickly. We we, we claim that we can launch apps within hours of of people enrolling.
0: That's impressive. and and so, so you, you acquired this business two thousand and fifteen, built a team around it, expanding it. Um, what are your thoughts going forward in terms of um, your vision for turn?
1: Yeah, I think you know I, I think 2022 will be a uh, um, a good foundational year for us to you know streamline the the onboarding process, um, probably to to add additional processing partners. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, the banking as a service providers, almost all of them are using Marketa as a processor. Marketa is a fantastic processor, but I feel like that's a lot of eggs in that basket. And there's mm. there's a number of other processors out there, like large multi-billion dollar processors that are that are competing against Marketa. And, and those processors need tools to compete. Um, and the those processors have a bunch of bank partners that that also want to launch fintech solutions for for their customers. Um, and I think we're, you know, kind of uniquely positioned as a multi-processor, multi-bank kind of agnostic platform um, to help, you know, fintechs and the overall market, like kind of go to market within a, you know, a compliant framework.
0: And um, just coming back to this theme of low code, no code, can you speak to that, I guess, as, as a trend in the industry, particularly as it, as it, a- Pertains to uh, fintech as a service.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think low code is 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 where things are going. Um, there's another company out there um, called called Fire, which I would uh, imagine is probably a competitor to ours. Um, but they have. Um, you know launch some some low code options as well um and the fact that you know some of the the executive leadership of of a product or former like heads of product from from marketa mm. kind of gives us a an inkling that we're on the right track
0: that makes a lot of sense and you know we're fresh into the new year i guess we can end on this question uh set any goals personal um professional for 2022
1: that's that's a tough one i mean <sighs> i i would hate to, the to, to say revenue is a goal but we we certainly have some some way to measure it i guess for, for okay. 2022 yeah um but I, I think you know just overall um having a um uh, as a company having an automated way to onboard fintechs um where they really don't have to to talk to a salesperson or or sign you know 25 contracts for processor and KYC provider and bank and, and uh, be the the multitude of minimums in that, in that whole framework. Um, You know, I I think that that's a, uh, that's one of our primary goals for the year. Um, We're also, you know, in the, in the process of, of integrating, um, you know, crypto onboarding and offboarding of of funds into our accounts. We're doing some interesting stuff in in the cross border capacity. So 2022 is really the year for us to like nail down the U S um, and, and to have a, a go-to-market product and strategy that can really apply to almost any fintech in the U.S. And, and once that's successful, then then we'll go international, more, more than likely starting Europe and then Asia-Pac, LATAM, and and probably GCC in Africa.
0: Brian, great talking to you today. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Zach. Have a good day.